The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning. It's good to be with you today. I want to welcome you all in the name of Jesus Christ this morning to The Springs. If you haven't been here before, we are a people being transformed into the image of Christ so that anyone can find the way to God. And if you're a visitor here this morning, I just wanna thank you for joining us, for honoring us with your presence. I know we've got people from near and far. We've got the Hicksons here. We've got um, friends, young and old, my buddy Jacob and Ben, the Tinniuses, and so many people. I, I could call out many of you, but I just wanna say again, thank you so much for being here with us today. And as you've heard, mentioned this morning, we're headed into a new year, and a new year for us means a new sermon series. Um, So if you remember before Advent, we were in the Gospel of Luke. Well, next Sunday, November 6th, I'm sorry, January 6th, (laughs) the holidays, Ben is going to launch the sequel to Luke the Spirit-Powered Gospel, in Acts, the Spirit-powered church. So we are going to, beginning in January, spend a few months in Luke's sequel, the Acts of the Apostles, so the founding and the beginning of this Jesus movement, the New Testament church. And so I'm very, very excited for this study to spend several months thinking about what it means to be the church and what it means to be moved and directed by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So I hope you'll be here for that. We're going to begin that beginning next Sunday, January 6th, and I'm excited to hear how Ben begins. But this morning, we're finishing out 2018, and we're going to be doing that in Colossians. Our lectionary text this morning is Colossians chapter 3, we're in verses 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones... Holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray, church. God, we do give thanks to you this morning. We give thanks to you in the name of Jesus. We give thanks for the peace of Christ that is with us, that rules over us. We give thanks for the word of Christ that speaks your salvation into our lives. We trust in that word this morning and we ask that you would 
Bring it to us afresh today. Give me the gift of preaching, Lord. Bless us with your gospel message and with the presence of your Holy Spirit. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you weren't here the very first Sunday of the year, Ben preached a sermon on January 7th titled, Beginning with the End in Mind. And in this sermon, Ben exhorted us to try and live this year with God's end and purpose and goal for us in mind always. That we might think about where God is taking us and try and live in that direction all year long. And so standing on this side of 2018, on this side of that sermon, it's interesting to look back over the year. And it's interesting to see that even amidst all of the trials that we've been through, the difficulties and hardships, to see the ways that God has worked the good for us this year. The ways that God has brought his good purposes about for this church in ways large and small. For instance, one large way, this building that we're sitting in right now, the long journey that led us here and God's faithfulness to guide us to this space that is such a blessing. But also in small ways, in missions, in benevolence, and little day-to-day acts of faithfulness in our youth group, and even in baptism. In fact, Olivia Roberts, Emily Sisk, Ashlyn, and Melissa Bokesh have all been able to put on Christ in baptism this year. Let's, let's give them a round of applause. And I mention that to celebrate it and to see the ways that God has worked among us this year. But I also mention it because baptism is the background of our text this morning. Baptism is exactly what's in the background of Colossians chapter 3. And you can see the kind of baptismal language that's in this passage from the very beginning. Paul talks about being raised with Christ He talks about putting to death that old self. And then he talks using this clothing language, this baptism language, beginning in verse 9 and 10. He says, seeing that you've stripped off the old self with its practices, and you've clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed. And then in our text this morning, beginning in verse 12, He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. That is baptismal language. That's stripping off the old self and putting on the new self, Christ. And what you may not know about many of the baptisms that happened in early Christianity is that many of them happened in the nude. It's an interesting fact. I'm serious here. Many of the early Christian baptisms up until the Middle Ages, the evidence suggests that many of the people baptized were baptized naked. And I think it's an interesting thing because there is great, great symbolism in what that means for baptism. 
right? Because it's this, this stripping off of the old, this putting off of the old man and putting on the new person. And so the person being baptized, now it often happened, I believe, in semi-darkness for a little bit of modesty, I think. But people would, would disrobe, they would descend into the baptistry, they would be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they would come out and immediately they would don a new garment of white. And there's great, great symbolism in that. I'm not sure we want to practice that today, but there's great, great symbolism in that because baptism is this letting go of the old self, stripping it off and putting on the clothes of Christ, right? Just as one enters the world, is birthed into the world naked, that one is entering the church and birthed into the church stripped of the old self and clothed in Christ. And so it's in this spirit of baptism, in this spirit of putting off the old and putting on the new, this spirit of clothing, that I want to approach our text this morning, that I want to hear a word of wisdom from Paul in Colossians chapter 3. So let's jump right back into verse 12 of chapter 3. He says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So if we, if we back up just a few verses from this, in verses five through nine of chapter three, we get a vice list from Paul, right? So here he's giving us some virtues, but a few verses before, he's giving us these vices, these sinful attitudes and behaviors that we need to let go of as Christians, right? He says that we need to get rid of fornication and impurity, passion, greed, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, and so forth. These are common in the New, Test, New Testament, vice lists. And so Paul gives us this, and I think it's, in a way, it's kind of like Paul's what not to wear, right? It's his fashion advice for us. He's saying, hey, guess what? Christians, that doesn't look good on you. That's, that's pretty unbecoming. Like if you're going to be a Christian, well, then you can't wear sexual immorality or greed or idolatry, or abusive language. He's saying that's, that's like socks and sandals to you, right? That's white before Labor Day. Only when you take it off, I don't want you to put it in your closet. I don't want you to donate it to Goodwill. Burn it up and never wear it again because Christians don't dress like that. Christians don't dress like that. But Paul doesn't leave us stranded in what not to wear. And he actually gives us a little bit of fashion advice for what we should wear as well. And that's where we pick up in our passage. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with meekness and patience. Bear with each other, forgive each other. And most of all, what does he say? Clothe yourselves with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
So here's what I think Paul is saying to us. I think he's saying, dress for the self you are, not the self you were. Paul's saying, you're no longer that person who can wear malice and anger and lust and greed. You can't pull it off. You can't pull it off. You shouldn't wear those things. Instead, put on compassion, put on humility, put on, above all, love. Because love is what ties the whole outfit together. Love is what makes it all work. It binds it together in perfect harmony. There have been a lot of holiday gatherings going on, I'm sure, and one of them happened at my house a few weeks ago. And it was the ladies from our connections group that uh, got together and were hanging out at our place doing a little Christmas party thing. And I happened to be passing through the kitchen as they were talking, and one of the conversation topics I heard, which was later confirmed to me by an anonymous source, (laughs) was the attire of their husbands. They were talking about the clothes that uh, the men in our connections group wear. And apparently the consensus among these ladies is that if it weren't for their cultured influence on their husbands, that we would basically still be wearing what we wore in high school. (laughs) That we would you know, still be wearing, without their kind of lovingly nudging us along, we'd still be in our sweats and preppy polos and band t-shirts. Now, the truth of this statement aside, which it probably is true, the wisdom underlying what they're saying is basically saying that we're not the same people that we once were, and therefore we need to dress like it. Right? We're not the shabbily dressed high schoolers that we were 10 years ago. We're different people. Somebody has come into our lives, namely our wives, has changed us for the better, and now we need to dress like it. We need to dress like the new people we are. And this is the logic that is underlying Paul's words in Colossians. He's saying, you're no longer the same person. Someone has come into your life, has transformed you, so dress like it. Don't wear malice and greed and anger. Wear humility and compassion and meekness. He says, dress for the self you are, not the self you were. And in the same spirit, Paul moves on to a corresponding idea in the next verse, verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in the one body and be thankful. So that word called here is the same root word as at the beginning in verse 12 where he says, as God's chosen ones. So Paul's saying as chosen people, elect, called people, you've got to live according to the peace to which you've been called in the one body. And so there are just a couple little threads I wanna draw out from peace here. The first one is this. The peace that God has called us to is a corporate peace. It's a corporate peace. 
Notice how we have been called. Paul says, to which indeed you were called in the one body. So, of course, this peace applies to us as individuals. Of course, it is a peace that is accessed in our inner selves when we trust in God. But it's more than that. Right? It's a peace that binds us together. It's an interpersonal peace within the church. It's a peace that rules over us. Notice that peace is personified here. It's, it's supposed to rule us. It's like a sovereign, a king, under whose dominion we live together in harmony. And secondly, it's not just a corporate peace, but it's Christ's peace. It's the peace of Christ, right? And when we hear about the peace of Christ in Colossians 3, we should immediately be drawn back to Colossians 1. We should be drawn back to what's often called the Christ hymn of Colossians, particularly verses 19 and 20. He says, for in him, in Christ the Messiah, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. The peace that God has called us to in the one body is the peace God has accomplished in the body of the Messiah. The peace that we can have with one another, the communion in harmony is made possible by the peace that Jesus has established in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. This is the peace of Christ. And Paul says that there's not a creature, there's not a plant or a place, there's nothing outside the reach of this reconciling peace that God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. There is nothing outside the reach of the peace of Christ. And this brings us to the final section of our passage, to a topic that is near and dear to my heart, uh, to the topic of worship. Paul finishes by saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in this section, Paul is, is grounding our community. He's grounding our fashion choices. He's grounding our actions in worship. Because Paul knows that if we're going to be the kind of people that can continually put off the old and put on the new, that can put off vices and put on the virtues of Christ, we're gonna to need to be reminded of the story in which we live. We're gonna be reminded again and again of what Christ has done, of that word of Christ, of the salvation that God has wrought in our lives. 
In order to continually put off the old, what Jesus has done definitively, we need to be reminded of who we are in him, of that new self. And that's what worship does. We teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. We sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs proclaiming the story in which we live, proclaiming the people that we are, the newness that has come into our lives. Worship is the way we do that. Worship is the way the word of Christ begins to dwell in us richly. This is actually the only time in the Bible that we get that phrase, the word of Christ. Scripture is chock full of the word of God. It's chock full of the word of the Lord. But only here do we get the word of Christ, word of the Messiah. And I think what that signifies, what that emphasizes, is this idea that our life and worship is bound up in our confession of what God has done in Jesus. That there is no peace without the Christ who has accomplished it. There is no love without the Lord who has brought it about. And singing and preaching and praying and communing is the way we remember that, is the way we tell that story, is the way we remember our new selves. St. Augustine said it this way, commenting on a psalm. He said, he put a new song into my mouth. What new song? A hymn to our God. Possibly you were accustomed to sing hymns to the other gods, old hymns. It was the old person who sang them, not the new person. Let the new person come to birth and sing a new song. Let the renewed person love what has made him or her new. We're about to enter a new year. And I remember last year I had the privilege of getting to preach on New Year's Eve, a year ago tomorrow. And in that sermon I said that Jesus has already overcome 2018. And that phrase struck Lara so that she decided to put it on a felt letter board that's hung above our fireplace for most of the year. And yet, if there has ever been a year that has made it challenging to believe that truth, it's been this one. It's been a hard year. There have been some highs but there's also been pain, and there's been uncertainty, and there's been loss and grief. And as hard as it has been for us at times, I know it's been equally, if not surpassingly, hard for many of us here today. It's been a hard year to believe and proclaim even amidst circumstances that seem to deny it, that Jesus 
has overcome. And at the same time, if there's ever been a year when we have needed that truth more desperately, it's this one. That throughout this year, what has bound us together, what has brought us through, is the knowledge and the truth and the proclamation that Jesus has overcome, that Jesus has thrown off the old, and he is putting on the new, and even if we live in between, we can trust him to be faithful. We can trust in the love of God in Christ. And what Paul says about love in our passage is that it binds everything together in perfect harmony. That even when sin and death threaten to tear the fabric apart, what binds it together is the love of Christ. And yet again, we should be drawn back to Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. Because Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, we can be that too. We can put to death the old self and put on the new. And that very same love that is manifest in Christ is that very same love that binds everything in the cosmos together is the very same love that binds us to one another. It's the very same love that holds every thread, every particle, every string in the universe in place. And it holds me to you you to me and us to God and it holds us and carries us into the next year and to the next year and the next year and always and it's the very same love that bound us together this year and every trial every tear and every terror it was the love of Christ that brought us through and it's the love of Christ that will carry us through together, bound together in perfect harmony. That's our only hope, church. And if you haven't put off that old self, if you haven't put on the clothes of Christ, decided definitively to follow him, to trust in his unfailing love, I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to decide to follow Jesus Christ who holds all things together in his perfect self-giving love. Would you stand and praise him together this morning, church?